0: Window World is proud to present Kevin Keatsman Has Issues. Simply the best for less at windowskansascity.com. Two totally opposite things can absolutely be true at the same time. And so it goes with the Kansas City Chiefs as they lose 20-17 to to the Buffalo Bills in one of the most maddening losses Chiefs fans can ever remember. And now the embarrassment afterwards as America's team or the NFL's most beloved and hated franchise, I guess, at this point. And their reactions after the game will no doubt become the story because the Chiefs, I believe, have embarrassed themselves in defeat after the game. Was not just bad enough to lose the game, but then do all out assault and blame the NFL, the officials, all of the whining and complaining. Absolutely ridiculous. I thought the Chiefs were better than this. You win a couple of Super Bowls. You would think they would handle something like this better than this. And the two things that are absolutely true at the same time is the Chiefs made the play to win the game. They also made the play to lose the game all at the same time. Anybody, anywhere that tries to hammer on the officials for calling Kadarius Toney offsides is just flat wrong. It was clear, it was obvious. It was not controversial. He was way past the line. It was an absolutely stupid move by a stupid player who continues to make some stupid mistakes. And it's not the first time this has happened. It is absolutely the first time it's happened on offense. Andy Reid in his career as the head coach, there have been 25,172 offensive plays snapped by Andy Reid teams. That was the first offensive offsides. But you couldn't see it and not think of D Ford costing the Chiefs a trip to the Super Bowl when Charvarius Ward picked off Tom Brady at Arrowhead Stadium in the AFC Championship game to advance to the Super Bowl, except D. Ford was lined up in the neutral zone. This is, as Patrick Mahomes would go on to say, elementary school stuff. You don't line up in the neutral zone. It's the dumbest penalty in football, and if the Chiefs want to blame the refs, it's absurd. He was way off sides, I don't care what happened, whether he looked down and asked, am I okay? I don't care about any of that nonsense. You're a professional football player. You see the ball in the line of scrimmage, and he lined up way off sides. Okay? So the mistake was made. The Chiefs are the most penalized offense in the NFL. That was their 52nd offensive penalty, tops in the league, and they're also tops in the league in passes dropped. Okay? My buddy Cato has said it his entire life, and it's never been more true. Get better just get better. And to whine and complain and blame the officials after this is absurd. This was not a gray area call. This was not a close call. The officials do not come to work on a game day like this, and they don't wait, as Mahomes would go on to suggest, until the last minute of the game to make a difference and determine the outcome. The last thing that official wanted to call was offensive offsides. But my God, he was way across the line. This wasn't close. I see probably 10 snaps every Sunday in the NFL where I'll say to Jessica or somebody, whoever I'm watching with, oh, they're offsides. He's in the neutral zone and it doesn't get called. I see those, but it's very close. It's a toe. It's barely this. It's barely that. That's not what this was. This was absurd. It was ridiculous. What Kadarius Tony was doing is beyond me. And then what the chiefs did after the game and complaining I thought was embarrassing. We'll start with Andy and then Patrick Mahomes.
1: It was a heck of a
2: football game down to the end. Um, very disappointed that it ended the way it did. And um, Normally, I'll get, um, I, I never use any of this as excuses, but normally I get a warning before something like that happens in a big game. Um, a bit embarrassing in the National Football League for that to take place. Normally, yeah, normally, uh, if, if it's even close, um, you get you get a warning. Uh, the head coach gets a warning. I mean that normally. So I don't know. I didn't have a protractor out there, but um, it's a bit embarrassing. I've been in the league a long time, and uh, I haven't had one like that. So not where not were at least for that kind of a position there that it is not uh, given a heads up to.
1: I mean not not only for for me but just for football in general. I mean just to take away greatness like that. I mean for a guy like Travis to make a play like that. And who knows if we win. But as I know as fans, you want to see the guys on the field decide the game. And that's why last week I didn't say anything about the flag. They didn't get called on the Marquez. And so, I mean, I, it, I mean they're human, men; They made mistakes. But, I mean, I'm, it's every week we're talking about something. And all I can do is go out there and give everything I have. And I'm proud of the guys because that's what we did. And it was a great football game that ended – Another great football game that just ended like that. It's just tough, tough to swallow. Patrick, what, what do you,
2: lack like of better term, what made it
1: boil over? Was it that itself, or was it the? the it's, it's, call it's, 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 it's the call, man. Just in that moment, I mean, it's, it's not even for my, myself or for me. It's just I know how much everybody puts into this game, and for it to, to happen on a flag change, outcome of a game in um, that moment, I mean, I, I've played seven years, never had that, never had offense all sides called. I mean, that's, the, we, that's elementary school. We, we talk about, I mean, you point to the ref, do all that different type of stuff, and, and it doesn't get called. And if it does, do you, they warn you, and there was no warning throughout the entire game. Um, and then you wait till there's a minute left in the game to make a call like that. Um, it's just tough, man. It, it, I mean, lost for words, man. It's just, it's tough. Look, the Chiefs
0: weren't good enough to win this game. They were good enough to win the game. They just weren't. And here's the fundamental problem that the Chiefs had. They lost the turnover rattle 2-1, to and they lost the halftime by essentially a turnover. The Bills had the ball to end the first half. They got it to start the second half. So the Bills wind up with the extra possession, and the Chiefs lose the turnover rattle 2-1. to They're not good enough to overcome that anymore. The Chiefs are not that team this year. They are not the team that can overcome losing the turnover battle. They've got to take care of the football. They've got to do the little things. They have got to cut out the penalties, and they've got to stop dropping passes. And yes, these post-game comments were a sign of their frustrations, and I know that they're frustrated, and they're mad, but there is no magic wand here, okay? The Chiefs have no right, it's not their God-given right, to just put uniforms on every week and be the best team in the league. You have to keep earning that week after week after week in this league. I believe they can. I think they're going to run the table. I don't think they're going to lose again. And I think they absolutely still have a chance to be the one seed or to play a couple of games at home or however you want to describe what will take place in the postseason. It's all there. You don't want to play the Chiefs. I can promise you that. Because the underlying fundamental of this game that was insane to me is over 42 minutes yesterday. The last 42 minutes of the game, the Chiefs defense surrendered to the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen, two field goals, and held Josh Allen to a quarterback rating of 68.8. The Chiefs defense is legit, and it didn't feel like it most of the day yesterday. It felt like the defense was struggling, that this was a problem, and they gave up 20 points to the Buffalo Bills. That has to be enough. You have Patrick Mahomes. That has to be enough. Mahomes, 25 out of 43, 271, a touchdown, an interception. Rasheed Rice, seven catches for 72 yards and a touchdown. He's emerging as a star. The defense was absolutely terrific. Mike Edwards, 10 solo tackles. Nick Bolton, eight tackles, five of those solo. Don't look now, but the Denver Broncos win. They are one game back of the Chiefs in the AFC West. The Chiefs are two back of the Ravens, one back of the Dolphins, with whom they have a tiebreaker. And if they run the table, they'll be 12-5. and We'll take our chances. The Chiefs' remaining schedule is the Patriots, the Raiders, the Bengals, their backup quarterback, although the Bengals are playing well. And the Chargers, who look like they have completely checked out. The Broncos have the Lions, the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders. They're playing good football. I honestly think the Chiefs are going to run the table. I, but I am concerned about how they rally from this game. We'll get Stan Weber's thoughts in a couple of moments. But I'm, I'm concerned that they that this team, after the game yesterday, they're showing signs that they're, they believe they're entitled that things are to be given to them, that if we line up off sides, damn it, we're the Kansas City Chiefs. You don't call that on us. That's what I heard in Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes' voices and their comments. I heard, do you know who we are? Do you know how famous we are? You call that on us? You don't call that on us. You let us decide the game. That's entitlement, and that's wrong. And if the Chiefs are feeling entitled and believing that the league is supposed to do things for them, that they wouldn't do for other teams. And Andy, even in his comment there said in a big game like this, like our games are big. And you know, when the Falcons play the Panthers, it's not a big game. There's a, there is an arrogance and a sense of entitlement dripping out of this football team. And it is a problem. You can also see it on the playing field. It's all intertwined. That being said, that was one of the greatest plays I've ever seen. That was one of the greatest things I've ever seen. It was absolutely stunning and remarkable. And you would love for that to have decided the game. You would love for that to have stood. But you cannot complain about the official for calling that outside. You can't. You can cut Kadarius Toney today if you want. I know a lot of Chiefs fans want that. You can cut him. I got no problem. People do do. D. Ford got let go. That was the end of D. Ford when he did it. When you do something that outrageously stupid and fundamental, whatever happens to you in your career happens to you. Now, I don't think the Chiefs will do that because I think they're blaming the ref still. I don't think they want to blame Kadarius Tony, which is absurd to me. What a game. I can't can't wait to see what the TV rating was. It's going to be phenomenal. We'll get Stan Weber's thoughts on that and the entirety of the NFL as the Chiefs got a couple of nice bonus losses, almost got a loss by the Ravens in a wild one against the Rams. We'll talk about all of the NFL and maybe a little college basketball as well. Kansas on Saturday beats Missouri in the border war, 73-64. K.J. Adams and Kevin McCuller each had 17 points in this game. Hunter Dickinson had 16 rebounds to go along with his 13 points. Missouri played well. They got off to a fast start. They got the lead. They looked like the better team. Sean East had 21. Nick Honor 17, but a 14-0 run at the end of the first half was the difference for the Kansas Jayhawks. And KU made 11 more free throws in this game than the Missouri Tigers. That was the biggest difference. 73-64, your final. KU wins by nine. Missouri was seven out of 21 from three, and that's okay. It's right about in the norm, seven threes. Kansas only three of 10. So not only did they not make very many, they didn't take very many. Three out of 10 from three. Now, Hunter Dickinson and and controlling the paint is a big thing for the Kansas Jayhawks, and they did that. It's a big part of the reason why they won the boards and why they got to the free throw line more. But this was the first game where I really, you know, we've heard Bill Self say that we might not be a very good three-point shooting team this year. He said that about his squad. This was the first game that you really watched it and it stood out and you're like, oh, they just don't have that switch to flip. Of course, there will be games where they shoot threes and make a bunch. But the question is when they're in a tough game, when they fall behind, when whatever happens, happens and they play better opponents, will they be able to call on their perimeter game? I thought it stood out just a little bit as a weakness for the Kansas Jayhawks, but they get the win as everybody expected. They would at Allen Fieldhouse, the Missouri Tigers. I I don't think that they want to come away with some moral victory. I heard a lot of comments that, hey, we're getting better. We're getting there. In a couple of years, maybe we'll be where Kansas is. I No moral victories. No moral victories. You played with them. You're a good team. Go beat a whole bunch of teams in the SEC. Win a whole bunch of games this year and get to the tournament and see what you can make. This program arrow is pointing up for the Missouri Tigers. There's no doubt about it. Even Bill Self, after the game, went on a, a long monologue talking about what a what a fine coach Dennis Gates is. He's like, that team is well-coached. That They came with a game plan. I think that's very exciting for Missouri, but don't take consolation in losing a close game to Kansas. Get to the point where you just expect to win that game. Doesn't mean you always will, but expect to win it and be crushed and disappointed when you don't win. We'll get Stan's thoughts coming right up. Brought to you by Cross Kitchens, Kansas City's remodeler. Tim Cross and his family own and operate the best remodeling company in Kansas City. They would love to work with you and your family on any project you have at your house. Log on to crosskitchenskc.com and find out about free countertops right now. Free granite, 816-898-7047 for crosskitchenskc.com. Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet GMC in Excelsior Springs. The toy drive continues, and Mike has been sending me pictures every day of the Amazon deliveries. Many of you are sending toys. That is so awesome. I cannot thank you enough for doing this. But it's a pretty easy world we live in where everybody orders stuff at Amazon or Walmart.com or whatever and has it shipped to your house. Just ship a $10 toy to Roberts Robinson this Christmas season. 1501 Kearney Road, Excelsior Springs, Missouri, 64024. That's 1501 Kearney Road, Excelsior Springs, Missouri, 64024. We love what they're doing there with the toy drive and helping a local charity in Excelsior Springs called Meet the Need. We love that. And the toy drive will continue through the holidays. Appreciate that. Roberts Robinson, Chevrolet GMC. And my buddy, TJ Vilkanskis at Back9Development, online at Back9Development.com. He is Kansas City's custom home builder. Give TJ a call. Talk to him about your dreams, the lot you have, the lot you found, the thing you want to build. TJ can do it, man. You want to see his portfolio? It's all online at Back9Development.com. That's Back, the numeral nine, development, com or call TJ personally at 785-236-0161 for backninedevelopment.com. Stan Weber's here. We've got a lot of football to talk about and some college basketball on the football feast at KKHI. Hit it. The Kevin Keatsman Has Issues conversation is presented by Ideal Health Regenerative Medicine online at idealhealthkc.com. Stan Weber joins us now and it's, well, it's a simple question. Stan, here's where we start. Have the Dallas Cowboys become the Kansas City Chiefs and are the Kansas City Chiefs now the Dallas Cowboys? Hello, my friend. Well, I wish uh, that one of those two
2: things would be true, that the Dallas Cowboys could be the Kansas City Chiefs, but What's crazy is if you care about the Cowboys, maybe you do because you're an NFL fan, or some of you even are a Cowboy fan, think about how crazy this is. The Cowboys are putting on a show. They've won 15 straight home games, and Dak Prescott is playing at an MVP level. Mike McCarthy's doing a good job of calling plays. They're getting the ball downfield. Uh, the defense is opportunistic, very good against the pass, uh, all those things. So here you go, high-scoring team, not so much defense like the Chiefs used to be, and something that you could really count on, except for the Cowboys. They're the number five seed, and that's where they're going to end up. They're not even going to win their division. The Chiefs struggling, losing two of their last three, uh, winning only four of their last six. All the issues and the frustration and all the Chiefs things that they're going through, Kevin, they're going to win their division. And so they even have an outside chance with the schedule being the way it is to still be the number one seed. Uh, definitely the number two seed. They don't have to settle for three. So it's crazy. Dallas is going to be the five seed. No one's going to catch them. And they're not going to catch the Eagles in the tiebreakers. It's very intricate. And the
0: rest of the schedule. So it's funny that the Chiefs are in a way better position than the Cowboys, who are playing well. Okay. Well, I may differ with you a little bit on this because I think the Eagles stink. And I, I think the Chiefs beat them up and down the field at Arrowhead and lost the game. They had a drop pass and a bunch of stupid stuff. The Chiefs are just beating themselves. I, I firmly believe the Chiefs just beat themselves. And they did it again. They've got three home losses. Everybody obviously is talking about the offsides call on Kadarius Toney on a play that probably would have won the game for the Chiefs. I've said my piece. I'm Stan, I'm, a, I'm kind of embarrassed for Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes, their reaction after the game, to say this is embarrassing for the NFL. You know what's embarrassing? Lining up as far off sides as he did as a wide receiver. That's what's embarrassing. Not the officials, not the league. I think the Chiefs are starting to show that they feel a little bit entitled, and that is not a good place to be in this league. What's your take on all of it?
2: Well, I think that, these, that where we end up is not good, okay? Uh, entitled is an interesting word. I hadn't thought about that. But I have been on the theme, as you know, Kevin, over the last few weeks of talking about Patrick Mahomes' frustration level is building up. And he's trying to do a good job of saying, I'm still going to throw to the open receiver. We're going to be fine and all of those things. But the fact is, is that he's throwing the ball where it should be thrown and the receivers are rarely there. And then you also know that they lead in the NFL and drops. They get the fewest points in the fourth quarter this year. On average, they average only three points in the fourth quarter, worst in the league. So this is the third game, Kevin that the Chiefs have had a chance with the ball in their hands or multiple chances with the ball in their hands to go down and win the game, tie the game, those kind of things. And for the first time in the Patrick Mahomes' prep, after we learned what he could do, I said, I don't think he's going to do it against Philadelphia. And he didn't. I didn't know against Green Bay, and they didn't. And this time I was more neutral, too, because I thought Buffalo knows how to lose better than anybody. So they can still do something dumb and lose this game. But I didn't necessarily believe in the Chiefs I just thought well I'm going to be neutral on this thing probably think that they're going to kick field goal go to overtime who knows what's going to happen after that Uh, but I thought that Patrick Mahomes frustration level is going up you obviously have the whole nation talking about it the Chiefs are the team in the country right now everyone's watching and his reaction on the sideline after the Chiefs missed the fourth down play is pretty obvious even in the postgame there's audio out there and then even with in front of the media you can see how hot Patrick Mahomes is, how frustrated he is. But, Kevin, here's where I think the frustration really matters. If you think about the timeout called with fourth and 15, I think it was, one last play for the Chiefs to try to get a first down, Patrick Mahomes came to the sideline, and as he's walking over to talk to Nagy or Andy Reid or whomever, I could see him mouth sides. Now, was that a question? Like, was he really offsides? Was that a ridiculous call? But whatever. That is lethally bad to be looking backwards. That's not the Patrick Mahomes we know. Kevin, it's fourth down. How many times does he throw an accurate ball and give teams a chance on fourth and 25? It doesn't matter. He moves on, makes a play. Maybe someone drops it. Maybe there's a missed call like the Green Bay game. But this guy pulls magic out. He was not going to pull any magic out on that fourth down play because you know what he was looking at? Backwards. And no cornerback quarterback or player and coach can do that, Kevin. You can't get frustrated about the previous play or two ago. You've got to continue on. So that is really the issue for me. It's boiling up inside of him. Does it mean that he gets mad and makes the Chiefs better? There's an outside chance of that. But generally, this is not good where he's trying to fight himself. He, He is so mad at what's going on with the Chiefs and trying to do so much. I've said all year long, man, this dude is running for first downs when he shouldn't have to. He's put this team on his back the whole year, and it is getting heavier and heavier and heavier. And I don't know if Andy Reid had to. Andy Reid's postgame, you know, saying this is embarrassing to the NFL, I wonder, Kevin, did he have to protect his player? Are they so concerned about always making sure Patrick's happy that when he went crazy that Andy had to follow it up in post game and act like his quarterback was on the right page? Or is Andy at leap? that frustrated? I think it's an interesting question, but not a good thing because uh, these guys need to think calmly and move the ship forward. They still with the rest of the schedule have a decent chance to be the number one seed. They can get work done in the AFC. The season is not over but it's not trending in the right direction. And mostly, if those two guys don't keep their
0: heads, hey Chiefs have uh, no chance. The one seed never mattered less. They've lost three times at home this year. Uh, it doesn't make any difference. They're either going to be good enough in the postseason or they're not. And if you told me right now they're going to go to Baltimore for the AFC Championship game, sign me up. Sign me up. Let's go play that game. Exactly. Let's, let's you watch the, the Ravens play. Yes, let's watch <laughs> Lamar Jackson throw one away, okay? Because it will happen.
2: Exactly. I, I, I'm all Who in. Who scares you? Yeah. Who scares you, Kevin? Um, I mean, if Tyreek Hill goes off in Miami... You know, maybe you're on a road at Miami. But seriously, I, I, it's still as good I, a path as you could ever imagine like, to go to the
0: Super Bowl. I'm going to tell you who scares me. The Denver Broncos scare me. That guy can coach, man. They've they've won six out of I seven. Said they're the, hot. Of the season,
2: Kevin. They, I said, Denver is on their way up.
0: Dude, they're the I hottest team Wilson in the last AFC. Last game
2: last year. Yeah, they play, and he's a good coach. And And the coaches that coach with toughness have to do it with a unique style nowadays, yeah. Kevin. Can't be the right-in-your-face Marty Schottenheimer, right? Marty how those players loved him because he came right at them and said, you know, this is Raiders week, and this is, you know, we're, we're going to give the ball to our best player. Everybody in the stadium knows on fourth and one what we're going to do. We're going to give it to Marcus Allen right up the middle. We're going to follow our line. You know, toughness, physicalness, discipline. That still works, Kevin. It's just how do you get it to your team? Right. And it took the Broncos a while to get used to it. And Sean Payton, you know, stubbed his toe and embarrassed himself a couple times to the public media, right? liberal media who doesn't want us to say anything mean at all, Kevin. Right. Don't say anything mean to these young men. You know, they're they're twenty 25-year-old guys that really, you know, they're shaky confidence, so don't hurt their feelings. <laughs> well, no. Sean Payton's kicking some butt, man, and it's going to work, and I predicted at the start of the year in Russell Wilson at last regular season game last year, I said new guy. He, he was overweight, was totally coached by the worst head coach I've seen in a long, long time, and he was going to give it a chance. He did in the last regular season game. Sean Payton became the head coach. I've always believed in Denver, and you're right. Don't get cocky. You always got to do the food chain. You're only one game ahead at Denver, so don't get cocky. But the Chiefs are in a really good situation. Their schedule's nice to finish off the season. The Ravens have a very hard schedule. The Dolphins have a
0: challenging schedule. Uh, The Chiefs are fine if they just calm down and get to work. Yeah, they got to run the table. Win the last four games, get to 12-5, and see where it gets you, and that'll be good enough. Denver, just a game back. They've got the Lions coming up this week, but then it's the Patriots, the Chargers, and the Raiders. I think Denver, I don't see how they don't finish 10-7. and I mean, they're playing real football. It's just, it's really interesting. There's a, you know, we always talk about parity in the NFL. It really seems to be really existing this year. Now the Niners won by 12 again yesterday and racked up 500 yards of offense. They look like they're really in their stride, but beyond that, I, I don't think the Eagles are very good at all. You know, I know they've got a glossy record. I don't think the Ravens are very good. I'm just being honest. I don't th- I don't know how they won yesterday. I mean, a miracle punt return in overtime, but hey, a win is a win, and so they got it. I, I want to go back to the Chiefs for a couple more questions, Stan, and get your thoughts, because nobody's really asking this or talking about this. That was the greatest play we've ever seen. And when Kelsey threw that back to Tony and they scored the touchdown, that was great. It was also about an inch and a half away from being batted, and a loose ball bobbling around on the field. It was not a called play. Will Andy Reid or should Andy Reid tell Travis Kelsey to not do that again?
2: I don't think either of those things are going to happen. Um, right now, they can't go down rabbit holes that aren't super critical. And they got to play along with Travis and say, you know, he's always a little bit of a wild card and we want him to play with confidence. And so I don't think that they're going to go down that way. Uh, at all. And I think they need to fire him up and get him playing well. He's kind of hit and miss right now. He looks a little old sometimes and he looks like his normal self that looked like his normal self times 10, how quickly he decided to pass, how quickly he grabbed the football, Kevin in traffic, turned his body and threw a strike. I mean, that was a beautiful was. spiral to a guy who go back and watch a replay who is frustrated. Tony stopped on the play. I don't know if he's mad at Patrick Mahomes not throwing him the ball, that's what I'm guessing, or if he knew that he was called for offsides. Go watch him, watch the replay right before Travis caught threw it to him. He kind of swings his arm and goes, you know, he is, he's decided. He's upset about something. I don't know if he knew it was the flag. I doubt it. I think he was mad that the ball didn't go to him on the crossing route. And he stopped for a second, and then all of a sudden he's back in the game because Travis threw him a perfect pass. He, he zipped down the sideline for a touchdown. Go watch that replay, Kevin. You know, there's a guy who's showing emotion and, and the wrong kind of emotion, I think. You know, a frustration, unless it was about the flag, and he knew nothing was mattering. But, you know, Im- incredible for Travis Kelsey. Let him run freely. Just hope. Right now, he's got to just say, I got to focus on Patrick. They got to coach Patrick up big time. Yeah. They got to take him through a new development stage that he's not been through. Okay. He really hasn't had bad times. You know what he thinks bad times are? I didn't get a chance to go out in the field in that playoff game against New England. Remember when Tom Brady drove down the field with our awful overtime rules at that time and scored a touchdown? He's going to think, oh, what's awful is getting sacked and not playing up to Tom Brady's level in Tom Brady's stadium in the Super Bowl after the 2020 season. No, this is the first time he's hit one of those points where he's got to decide, hey, I I'm not doing things perfectly. And the team's not doing, things aren't going well. And I can't just look up to the coach and say everything's going to be fine. I got to decide. So I think their focus is let's get Patrick Mahomes' head straight, get him back to his normal self, say eight, nine weeks ago, naive enough to think it's all going to work out. That's the Patrick we want, Kevin. But he's kind of learning right. that sometimes, sometimes you are doing too much and you're not relying on your guys and you don't believe in them. He's not had to deal with that. He's always bought into Andy Reid. That's why he's one of the greatest of all time, because he is the fire that's as a competitor. He has the excellence as a person who's athletic and makes winning plays, but he's also bought in the whole time. So I believe in the team. I believe in the coach. He never got frustrated by bad defense. I truly believe that when the Chiefs, were, you know, they have to win 40 to 37, I don't think he ever was down on the defense. He's like, let's go. Now, for the first time in his career, he's looking around and going, this is not the way it's supposed to be, and I don't know what I can do to put the whole team on my back. And he boiled over, which is good. Now now he's boiled over. He's got to address it to the public, and Andy's going to have to get in there. But
0: they'll leave Travis alone right now, I think. Yeah. Okay, final thought here on the Chiefs. Um, The last 42 minutes of that game, the Chiefs defense only gave up two field goals. Uh, It was absolutely remarkable. Now, Buffalo controlled the clock. They had an 11-minute advantage. The Chiefs' defense is not great at getting off the field, but they're really good at keeping teams from scoring. Yet, this football team has lost three times at home, Stan. Their defense is playing well, and they're losing games. Do they not know how to win with defense? I'm not sure that I... I, Do you think the Chiefs are looking for some sort of new formula of how to win football games because it is different this year? cuz that if you go if you told me the last 42 minutes the Buffalo Bills are going to score two field goals and Josh Allen's going to have a quarterback rating of 68 i mean i'm telling you the chiefs are winning or or darn sure should win why do they keep squandering these good defensive performances
2: uh, i'll get to that in just a second but i want to talk about the defense real quickly cuz one of the points that i made last week was i don't think they're dominant i just think they're good okay and one of the problems is stopping the run. I want to talk about Nick Bolton for a second, Kevin. Because Nick Bolton came back and he was getting dogged in the first half. You know, Buffalo led 14 nothing, And Nick Bolton was getting bounced around uh, like he was a pinball or something. That's what happens when you come off injury, Kevin. I've experienced that. I looked at myself and I'm, I'm like looking in the mirror going, what the heck's going on? Where's my body? Where's my brain? What the heck is going on? I stunk coming off injury. And then you finally get back into football rhythm. I think Nick Bolton did that during the game. He was awful in the first half, and they were running it right at him, including that touchdown run where you saw him push forward. Nick Bolton was like a long for the ride. Not that he could do it all by himself, but he was not playing well. But in the second half, he started popping some people and doing some things. So I think that is really good news. He worked through the rust, started playing well, and the Chiefs defense started playing better in the second half. But here's the mindset. I mentioned Marty Schottenheimer. I'm a big fan of Marty Schottenheimer. And one of the things that I, and I'm, I'm just disappointed that he didn't win a Super Bowl. He was a Super Bowl level winning coach, Kevin. He is. He just didn't get it done. It's not a, a detriment to his coaching. It just didn't quite work out. But he had a philosophy and he believed in his philosophy. He went with it and the Chiefs rode to the level that he could take them. I love that better than trying to reinvent himself and do other things. We got Andy Reid, one of the greatest coaches of all time. And we got the same situation. Andy does not think about the football game of, oh, the defense is going to dominate the game and I'm going to play off of that. So to answer your question, I think no. No, they are not adapting to a different style of playing. If Marty Schottenheimer walked in today and recreated, hey, I coached this team for the first you know 15 games or 10 games or whatever, I think that he could play to that a little bit better. But no, Andy Reid says, I believe in the defense. And even if they give up 35 points, you know what he says? I believe in the defense, okay? And he really has Spagnola doing a lot of great things and overachieving in every way. So he always, even when Spags couldn't stop the other opponent, he's going to like, he'll get a turnover. They'll make a red zone stop. Something good will happen. But Andy Reid's focus is on the offense, okay? It's about winning on the offense. And that has worked very well for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's worked very well for the Kansas City Chiefs. Philadelphia fans would say, hey, but if you don't rely on your defense a little bit more, and play to those things, you might not win a Super Bowl. Remember, they thought Andy Reid couldn't win the Super Bowl. Remember that, Kevin? So he's not been a flawless coach with his philosophy either, but when he got to Kansas City, Patrick took him over the top. Yeah. So I don't think they're going to change their stripes, and I'm not asking for them to do it. Uh, I think whatever we get from the defense, from being good or being opportunistic, that's fine. But the offense is still going to have to be a feature component of Andy Reid's offense. That's the way they play. That's the way they think. And that's how they've won two Super mm-hmm. Bowls and went to three. So no, no need to change it. And that's going to be the key thing here, Kevin, is how do you fight through adversity and get back to doing what you believe in and don't adjust very much? Well, the it's ticking. harder to stick with the plan. <laughs> you got to stick with the plan, Kevin. And that's when the whole world's yelling at you and all the facts on the field look like you should not stick with the plan the elite are the ones that stick with the plan. I was in Arrowhead Stadium. I don't go there that often, Kevin. I was working with, in, the, in the press box and went down into the locker room. I was there when the Patriots got whipped by the Chiefs on Monday Night Football. And when he said, on to Cincinnati, Belichick, I was in the conference with Brady when Brady said, Brady should not be the quarterback anymore for the New England Patriots. That seems so crazy, but they thought it was all over. New England hadn't won a Super Bowl for a while, and Belichick went back to work. New England won that Super Bowl, and Brady ended up finishing his career winning another one at Tampa Bay. So it wasn't all over, but everyone in the world thought it has to be all over. That night, I was there, and Belichick said no.
0: Brady said no. Stick with the plan. Stick with the plan.
2: That's what the Chiefs need to do right now.
0: They're certainly going to do that. One more uh, football question, then we'll talk a little college basketball I think it's uh, fairly well known that you are very close to Colin Klein, the former offensive coordinator at Kansas State, who left for Texas A&M. And I know uh, how much you admire him and what you think of him as a as a person and as a coach. Just thought I'd give you a moment or two to talk about his career move. I mean, it's pretty obvious he's going to be a head coach here one of these days. Um, your thoughts on Colin Klein's move and and maybe just how proud you are of his development as a coach?
2: Well, I'm super proud of him. And I think people who don't follow it that closely probably just need a little bit of background. I don't get that tight with the players. I've done this for 37 years and I don't live vicariously through them and become their buddies. I just give them their space. And I'm just the old guy who broadcasts. And, you know, I get to know some of them, especially quarterbacks when we interview them, or I know the basketball players better because I actually travel with them and I eat next to them and all of that. But in the football world, not necessarily, but what happened was the business college at K-State has a mentor program where they assign a business person to be a mentor for business students, and I got assigned to Colin Klein. So we were able to dive in on a whole different level because he didn't know he was going to be a coach when he's in college. You know, what was what he going to do in his business career? So we got so much depth there, and then my kids happened to be the same age and became best friends with Colin Klein, his wife Shaylin, who's Gary Spaney's. Daughter. I didn't know Gary Spaney forever and a legend at the K State Wildcats and and with uh, the Kansas City Chiefs obviously so there's so many reasons why we were close even when he was a player then it moved on when he came back from Northern Iowa became an assistant coach and it just continued on and on and on so yeah I am great friends with Colin and Shalin and my son Stanton uh, is a godfather of one of their children their best buds so I've been right there with Colin Klein and what's kind of fun Kevin I don't know if the the listeners will really believe this, but I know you you understand when I say this. Just because my son Stanton's coaching or Colin, who seems like another son of mine almost, is coaching does not mean that I think they're going to be great. I can separate the two. You see what I'm saying? I'm rooting for them, but I evaluate them very objectively. And I have valued uh, what Colin has done when he's a quarterback coach. Then he got a chance to be the offensive coordinator. I was more like a parent who is nervous, Kevin, rather than convicted naively. I go, I don't know if he's good enough to be, I don't know if he's ready to be an offensive coordinator. I don't know. Prove it to me, man, because you got to call plays, design plays. We just talked about the frustration that Andy Reid's going through. You're going to go through those moments. Well, you know what, Kevin? Objectively, I said, oh, my gosh, he is elite. He is elite. When I talk to him about football, his responses to why he's doing things and what he thinks is A-plus every time. And he's proving it on the field with K-State scoring a ton of points and all of those things. So I believe in him not because he, of his core and, and the type of person he is and his faith and and his conservative and all of those things. I love all of them, but you got to prove it. He still has to prove it as a head coach. But I think generally I feel pretty good about his opportunities to do that. But as an offensive coordinator, unbelievable. So thank you for what you've done, Colin, for K-State. Hope to see you back. If you get a chance to listen to this podcast, obviously you know what you did in 2011 when Bill Snyder came back and you turned K-State into an unbelievable winner. I love games decided by seven points or less, Kevin. One of the most important things I focused in on, games decided by seven or less. And I know you can change it to eight now if you want. That's called one score and people go for two. But I track games decided by seven points or less. You know that almost all K-State quarterbacks are around 500. It's just like 500, 500, 500, because this is tough. He's 11-1 and in his two years. (laughs) 11-1 and in 2011 and 2012. You wonder why they won a Big 12 championship, why they were ranked number one in the country in the, the BCS or whatever the rankings were back then, why that happened in 2012. Go back and look at the games that he won in 2011, the Bloody Elbows and all those things. This guy is elite as a player, as a human being, as a father and also as a football coach. Yeah, so I'm super special. excited for him because in this industry, you got to root for their career, man. And the chance that he's going to be making, gosh, what, one and a half, two million million, $2 million a year to be a football coach, I'm happy for him, but I can't wait for the chance, the chance that K-State has an opening at a time that Colin's ready to be a K-State head coach. I don't know if it's going to happen, Kevin. It doesn't usually work out that well. You can't write that storybook thing. But wherever he goes, I'm going to be rooting for him. He's done a fantastic job for K-State. And if we can meet again with him back at K-State, that will be so cool. Pretty cool.
0: All right, we'll finish with a couple of basketball notes here. Um, Two big stories, really, this past week. Kansas beats Missouri 73-64. And and it was, you know, I was a little ambivalent when they started playing each other again because I thought, you know, Missouri left. Why should KU play? him? Bill Self had that stance for a long time. And now they play, and I see why they play. And it means a lot to the fans Kansas wasn't great, but they were good enough to beat Missouri. And then on the program that you follow and cover and and do uh, play-by-play and and analysis for Kansas State, Naquan Tomlin was kicked off the team, which became like almost a national story. And there was picketing on campus and all kinds of weird stuff. And it's really vague and odd about, you know, what's going on and why he isn't. He was able to walk across the floor at Bramlage on Saturday and graduate in an official ceremony but the school won't let him play basketball. I'm not sure I understand any of it. It was a wild week, wasn't it?
2: Yeah, it absolutely was. And first of all, as in the order you had um, them, I, as a new person to Kansas City a long, long time ago, Kevin, um, I've been following what was going on up here when I grew up in Wichita, Kansas, and went to K-State. But I didn't really know about how cool KU versus Missouri was in basketball, okay? And I just, learned when I got here that when that game was on, if it was Tuesday night or Saturday afternoon, it was must watch TV. As I watched the citizens of the area just talk about the importance. And I didn't, I was sitting there not caring who won. I just go, I cannot wait for this game. It means so much. And they play just crazy effort games. So I don't know. I, I'm of the stance that KU shouldn't have rewarded Missouri when they left. But hey, when they do get on the court, even nowadays, I can see why they do. It's a lot of fun. So I, I truly, as a non-KU or Missouri person, love watching them play basketball against each other. Now K State, it's been a wild and crazy week, and there's so many layers of issues that you go from, uh, you know, you go, you go from the president's office all the way down to the players that I was eating lunch with uh, the other day. You know, it's like, whoa. There's all these different layers. There's the athletic director, head coach, players, and there's board of regents. There's the president of the university. And how all these things work in academia, Kevin, I'm not sure exactly. It's really complicated, and there's a lot going on. But the fans, obviously, are more focused on as, as if it's a pro team, right? It's much more like it's a pro team in college. You don't hear these more of student-athletes, or we're just glad that our guys have such a good GPA. No, all my buddies who are K-State fans, they want to win. You know, that's what they want. And they think Naquan Tomlin can help them win. So Naquan Tomlin's a good kid. Uh, I have a a funny thing. When I was talking to my wife at one time about Naquan Tomlin, she isn't – every name of of every player on a basketball team is not going to ring with her in in the middle of summer or whatever. And I was telling her some story uh, about Naquan Tomlin. And she goes, is he the one with the big smile on his face all the time? Because she had actually gone to the Grand Cayman Islands with us and hung out for four days around the basketball team. And she was in the every event like I was. And that's right. Naquan Tomlin has the biggest smile on his face. The last three games before this game at LSU, Kevin, he was with the team on the sideline. I know because K-State and basketball, we uh, fist pump more than anybody alive, Kevin. There's a connectivity. It's incredible. But when they come out from the locker room to go to their bench, they – fist-pump everybody along the uh, scorers' table who's with K-State. So I fist-pumped Naquan Tomlin each of the last three games. So I know he was there, not in uniform. He's not practicing or anything else. So he was around the program, and then all of a sudden, they said, not a part of the program. I know what K-State basketball coaches think. They're like, we love Naquan. We're so happy he graduated. We hope he has a great life. Almost like I was talking about Colin Klein, right? He may not be here with us right now. But I am rooting for him so much and love him so much. That's the emphasis that they have about Naquan Tomlin right now. The current players, Kevin, they're locked in. They're about what's right in front of their face, right? Naquan Tomlin has not practiced all year. so And the team has turned over tremendously. There's not that many guys from last year. So these players are not affected very much at all. Yeah. They're just well, locked into Every practice, every game, Naquan has not been a part of it. So they're just keep rolling along. People thought this might affect them at LSU. And I was going, this isn't going to affect them at all. I mean, they, they just, yeah, they're going to play impressive. ball.
0: No, it's impressive. They've, they and, and they
2: look around. So
0: yeah.
2: there's a lot of emotions and a lot of, you know, when Colin Klein's not going to be with K-State next year or next spring or even in the bowl game, Kevin, there's going to be pains in my heart. Like, man, yeah. how does this happen? And, and that's a, kind of the same thing. I, I felt it when I was at the basketball team with the coaching staff and all the people around the basketball program. That's what they feel like with Naquan Tomlin. That does not allow you to opine about what every other emotion is. Like, I, I can't say, oh, I can't believe it, Colin's wrong, or so and so is wrong, or someone did something wrong because Colin's at Texas A&M. No, that really is not the fact. I can feel the pain that he's not here with me anymore, but that doesn't mean I'm mad at anybody. Right. So there's, I can't speak for everyone else. I, I know that the love that they have for Naquan is elite because they, they care about this young man, and they believe in this young man. But that doesn't mean what they think about should he no longer be with the team and all those kind of things. So it's kind of like we lost Colin, we lost Naquan. There's a lot of emotion, but life's got to move on. I just thought it was
0: really weird. They're both official university events: playing a basketball game or graduation ceremony. And he's allowed to do one, but not the other. <laughs> I, I, I can't. I cannot. Con- that just I cannot me- figure out academia. Okay, <laughs> I,
2: I'm on the business advisory council. I'm the chair of the accounting advisory council at K-State, Kevin. And sometimes when they start, hey, what's your advice? I go, well, here's my advice, but it kind of comes from a business point of view, not academia. Right. I don't know if you can actually do that. Like sometimes I'm going, can we just walk across the room and grab that thing we're talking about? And they go, oh, no, no, not in academia. <laughs> no, no, you can't. Not, Kevin, it's not that simple. Right. There are so oh, there are so many players. Like, what are boards? Are what are board of regents? You know, what's a provost? Well, a c- <laughs> chancellor of a university, right. you know, I go, this stuff is so complicated and yeah. intertwined, it, but I'll tell you this, to get things done simply very, very hard and to be very frustrating for a person who's in business. And I think it also can be very frustrating for coaches because you know what they oh, think, sure, yeah. you know what Andrew is thinking right now, he's about fixing things right now. Right. And I remember Bill Snyder when he uh, was out of, K-State coaching and then was retired for three years and he would get in different situations with different groups. You know, they're trying to make decisions or whatever. And he's like, can we just make the decision and go? And they're going, well, let's just table that till the next meeting. When's the next meeting? <laughs> well, 45 days from now we'll meet again. And coach is in there going, no. Oh wow. This is, it's a different world. Yeah, so it's sad. fun when I thought, so it reminds me of that, you know, that's Kevin, cool. it's a lot easier to make decisions when you own your little company right there and you can get going and do what you need to do. But, man, you go to academia, whew, Yeah, I'm telling you, it, there's tenure, Yeah, tenure, okay? There's people there that, because they get this word tenure, can do whatever the hell they want, even if they're not pulling in the right direction. You know, Crazy. they can line up offsides every time and not get in trouble. For yeah. Them. So it, <laughs>
0: <laughs> I feel like Canary's Tony. Tony, needs Tony tenure. T- he needs tenure, man. I think Canary's Tony has tenure. He's still here. He just keeps screwing up, and <laughs> he's still here. So, Stan, you're the best, buddy. Thank you so much, okay. and uh, we hope you have a great week, man. Thank you.
2: Frustration boiled over, but it's been building, Kevin. We just hope Patrick takes a deep breath, goes out and beat the New England Patriots, and get back to it. we got
0: time to get ready for the playoffs. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate you. Take care, Kevin. All right. He is Stan Weber, and that is awesome sauce right there from Stan Weber on a lot of different fronts, but most particularly the Kansas City Chiefs and the Dallas Cowboys, who've kind of flipped positions. They've kind of flipped their roles, haven't they? Stan Weber today brought to you by Advanced Medical Imaging. See what's inside online at MedImageKS.com. Buck Disposal and Buck Roofing for all your needs. If you're cleaning out, cleaning up, and need a dumpster, Buck Disposal, bring it right to your job site and haul it right away for you. BuckDisposal.com. The new car image in Belton and Lawrence. Gift cards available for the holidays. This is a great gift to give away. Get her car all polished up for her. Do it. Do Brad's Obsession. That's what it's called because Brad is obsessed with a clean car. Brad's Obsession at TheNewCarImage.com or just call him right now, 816-499-1470. And our buddies over at the Finch Knife Company, FinchKnifeco.com. Multiple series. The McCoy series is now out. It was released on Friday. All kinds of great pocket knives available as gifts this holiday season online at finchnifeco.com. Good stuff there from Stan Weber. We got a big week ahead, a lot going on in the world. There is uh you know, there's some talk that the thing may almost be over in Gaza with Israel, that the terrorists are just surrendering right and left. So there's some good news there. And then of course we've got the prolonged Ukraine war and situation going on. Hunter Biden with his nine charges, indictments. We we got all kinds of stuff gonna be going on this week, so we look forward to those podcasts as we go forward. This one all sports, our little football feast. To get you started this week, at Kevin Keatsman as Issues. Kevin Keatsman Has Issues has been presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet GMC and is produced by Crooked Tail Media. Please hit the like or follow button wherever you listen or give us a review. For premium content podcasts and weekly newsletter, join as a patron at KKHasIssues.com for as little as $5 a month. Support all our sponsors and other conservative businesses at the KKList.com. This has been a production of Cricket Tail Media Incorporated.